by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth and North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Catholic Radio for your soul. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. Live from the KATH 910 AM studios in Las Colinas and broadcasting across North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network, this is The Good News Show. Good afternoon and welcome to The Good News Show here on KTH 910 AM on the Guadalupe Radio Network. First of all, I want to say that my name is Dave Palmer. Diane Xavier is running the board. We thank you for listening. And also thanks for your support last week during the Fall Sherathon. Uh, I'm pre-recording this and so I trust it went well and I trust many of you called in. So thank you very much. This is a pre-recorded show because we get the Monday after Sherathons off. But I have two wonderful, wonderful interviews to share with you. One of them is with the, uh, the Shepherd of the Dallas Diocese, Bishop Edward Burns, and it is about uh, something that's being kicked off uh, this coming Sunday, December 12th, and uh, that is the Dallas Synod. And this is a 10-year process, as he will talk about, and so we have that interview coming up here in just about 30 seconds. And uh, later in the show, we're going to speak with Monsignor Eduardo Chavez, who is uh, from the Shrine of Our Lady Guadalupe down in Mexico City. He recently visited our studio. He was coming in town to speak to Legatus, and of course he's very, very knowledgeable about Our Lady of Guadalupe, whose feast day we celebrate uh, this coming Sunday, so we're going to speak to him as well here on the Good News Show. So, Bishop Edward Burns and then Monsignor Eduardo Chavez on the Good News Show today. So, with no further ado, here is my interview with Bishop Edward Burns. And as promised, we are in studio here with a very esteemed guest. Uh, so thankful that uh, the Bishop of the Diocese of Dallas, Bishop Edward Burns, is here with us. And this is pre-recorded uh, previously, but we are talking about all the events that are going on in relation to the Diocese of Dallas Synod, which, uh, gosh, we're coming to the end now of the pre-preparatory phase and preparing for the big event on Sunday at St. Anne's, December 12th, a noon mass and a festival. And so that's the next big event and a whole lot going on all the way into 2031. So this is a long process. Uh, Bishop Burns, thank you for being here. Great to see you in the studio. David, thank you so much for the invitation. It's wonderful to be with you and your listeners. So thank you. And the timing is good because at the time that we're recording this, uh, I had just been to a pre-synod planning meeting yesterday and so a lot of this is very fresh in my mind and I know it is with you as well since this is such a big deal but let me uh, just begin with a basic question because I think a lot of people listening right now are like a synod what uh, I know there's a, a synod on the synod going on at the Vatican and what's what, what is a synod all about so can I ask that just kind of uh, basic question what's a synod why are you doing it and why now okay a synod is actually an ecclesial meeting. It's a meeting of members within the church. And in particular, there's the opportunity for the bishop to call the priest and the lay faithful together um, to discuss matters of, of the church and, and matters on how the church can exercise her, her um, sacramental life, how she sells, um, exercises her governance. And so... This is just a meeting to not 
change church teaching at all. Mm-hmm. It, it's not the purpose of the synod. The purpose of the synod is to offer suggestions and recommendations to the bishop on the direction and the activities of the church and, and how to best exercise ministry. So that's pretty much it. It It is a meeting to discuss all that. So you ask the question, why now? This will be the third synod in the Diocese of Dallas. The last synod was called by Bishop Lynch, and the synod took place in 1939. So it's time for us to have a synod, but the timing of the synod came when I was identifying during the global pandemic, our parishes were shut down. Mm-hmm. Everybody was, you know, in their home, quarantined, and it was a very difficult time for everyone, and it was a difficult time for the church. Never did I ever imagine that as a bishop, I would have to go through that excruciating decision to close parishes. It's unfathomable. It was so heart-wrenching to do that. To see our empty pews and our empty churches on Sunday. Mm -hmm. So with all of that, we did the best we could in reaching out to people. And I'm ever so grateful for the opportunity to celebrate the televised masses. And that just became a blessing so that we could go into every home. And then every home became a church. Every home exercised the fullness of the domestic church. And so that was exciting. But I also know that it's necessary to bring people back to church. And I thought during a historic pandemic, the best way to respond is by a historic event. Mm -hmm. And let's have a synod. Let's look to the future. What can we do now? And so you mentioned the preparatory commission. We have 26 wonderful people from around the diocese who are assisting in forging ahead with catechetical sessions, with listening sessions, with formulating what is called resolutions for the synod, and also designing the actual synod uh, event itself. So when you ask why now, it is in response to you know a historic pandemic and having an opportunity to have a historic moment within the diocese as we look to the future with hope. And also the the timing, I know, is not, you know, random. Beginning this Sunday, December 12th, uh, the Feast of Our Lady Guadalupe, of course. Uh, she's the patroness of the diocese. The cathedral is named after her. And then ending 10 years later, uh, 2031, which is going to be the 500th anniversary of the original apparitions at Tepeyac Hill. So uh, these are not random dates that you selected. This is very timely. We are rooted in a wonderful history of salvation. We're rooted into the wonderful gift of Our Lady of Guadalupe also. And so this Sunday, 
as we celebrate the opening of the Synod on December 12, 2021, that is 10 years before we will celebrate the 500th anniversary of Our Lady of Guadalupe's appearance to San Juan Diego. Mm-hmm. And that point, we are going to celebrate in such a wonderful way the, the Our Lady of the Americas. And the great faithfulness of the people of the Diocese of Dallas and their great love for Our Lady of Guadalupe, it's just going to be celebrated in a phenomenal way. Yeah. Now, we, we're doing something kind of odd because at the time that we're recording this, the first of the catechetical sessions has not happened, but the time that it runs... It will have back on November 30th uh, at Our Lady of the Lake in Rockwall. So I know it hasn't happened yet, but as the time of this recording, of the, the, the airing of this, it has. So talk about the catechetical sessions. There's four of them scheduled, one November, and then three of them coming up in January. So if somebody didn't get to the one on November 30th, no no problem. Uh, there's three coming up in January, St. Joseph's Paris in Waxahachie on the 8th, uh, Mary Immaculate on the 11th of January, and then St. Jude Parish in Allen on January 20th. What's the purpose of the catechetical sessions? First of all, allow me to ask the listeners to pray for me as I'm having this interview with you because some <laughs> days I wake up and go, what day is it? And now you just threw all those days at me. Uh, I know. And it's like in the future, in the past. <laughs> so, Remember the Back to the Future movie? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like yeah. that. Dave Palmer, it's always great being with you. <laughs> I know. I'm just trying to throw you a little you know, to twist and turn you know, with these things. And so, uh, But yeah, the, the, the catechetical sessions, because there's going to be listening sessions as well we'll talk about. They're different. Uh, But what's the purpose? Catechetical seems like it would be something about teaching or uh, at least that's the first thing that pops into my mind when I hear the word catechesis. And you're accurate in thinking that because with the catechetical sessions we want to fulfill two goals. First of all, to really give an understanding of what a synod is all about how the Synod of the Diocese of Dallas is going to unfold, what it means, and how do the people who participate in the listening sessions truly take part in being instrumental in the future of the church. And so their input is just going to be phenomenal. But with the catechetical session, teaching about uh, the history of our diocese, where we've been, where we want to go, how can we get there, is going to be all a part of the catechetical session. Second goal is that when we announced that we were going to have our third synod the first time in 90 years, it was only after that that we got word that Pope Francis wanted to have the synod on, on synodality. So you had no idea <clears throat> that he was going to do I that. I did not have any idea. And it's called a wrench. <laughs> so, but <laughs> Because it, it caused it, a confusion, perhaps? Well, it's, it's, it's a couple things. One, we were getting our structure together, organizing it, and then there is the desire of our universal shepherd who has a a wonderful desire to get far more people participating in the church calling on the synod of on synodality well what we did not want to do 
is duplicate our work, we will definitely participate and fulfill the the request from the Holy See to participate. And we are looking at our catechetical sessions to fulfill the request of the Vatican, mm-hmm. you know, in asking some questions there of the people of God, you know, and it helps us bring forth a catechesis and then engage, you know, in the questions posed by our Holy Father and and the Vatican. So what we will do then from the catechetical sessions gather some of the information that they've asked for, and then we will send it all, and it will be the the good work of the preparatory commission to assist us in that. And then we'll send that information back to the Vatican. So a little bit of overlap then. A little bit of that you're satisfying their requests while you're at the same time holding your own synod. Would that be a good way to put it? And... I could call it a dry run. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It would be a great opportunity to say, okay, let's, let's take it one step forward. Let's, let's look and see what the, the universal church wants and then Mm -hmm. have that chance to really engage in a, in a conversation. Yeah. You know, you, you talked about how (laughs) no doctrine is being changed. It also says here, it's not a shepherding body. That's from my notes from yesterday. I think a lot of people, and I just want to clear this up with you, Bishop Burns. A lot of people look at what's happening, like in Germany, for example, where they're having a synod and they seem to be more desirous of, of changing church teaching. And I've heard people say, well, does this mean that every diocese is going to have different doctrines? Doctrines and everybody's going to be kind of going their own way. Uh, I, I know that's not the the case. Can you can you clear that up? You've already said this is not about changing doctrine, but it's more of a pastoral approach in uh, presenting the truths in a better way uh, in the diocese of Dallas. That's really all that you're doing with a local synod, right? The synodal process is not established to make a change in minister uh, magisterial teachings at all. It's not the desire. I think what has happened, and when you talk about other Episcopal conferences bringing forth um, some sentiments that will lead people to believe that it does do that, it's confusing. Mm -hmm. And allow me, as the shepherd of the Diocese of Dallas, to offer clarity. This is not going to be a part of the synod because it's not a part of the synod process. Um, and I do want to be clear that this is what is going to bring about a heightened participation of the faithful in the church to have listening sessions. It's going to be an invitation for people to come back to church, uh, opportunity to say, what else can we as the church do in celebrating the sacraments, in proclaiming the word, in ministering to people in need. As we look to the future, and and this Diocese of Dallas is still growing, Mm -hmm. as we continue to grow, what steps do you see are necessary so that we grow effectively as apostolic missionary disciples? How can we reach out like the early apostles to bring people to Jesus Christ? How can we, like um, St. Paul, continue to proclaim 
Jesus Christ, and that if we're going to boast in anything, we're going to boast in his cross. Mm-hmm. So it, it really is going to be then not only a exercise, an ecclesial exercise of looking, how can we be, um, how can we exercise our ministry in a better way for the future? But I also want it to be a spiritual experience so that people come to realize they are disciples of the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. And to follow Jesus Christ, how can we better follow him in, in, into the future? Yes. Bishop Edward Burns joining me here on the Good News Show. We're talking about the Dallas Diocesan Synod uh, this Sunday, December 12th at St. Anne's Parish in Capel, 12 o'clock Mass. A festival will follow. And that, as I uh, understand, Bishop Burns, uh, brings an end to the pre-preparatory phase. We talked about the catechetical sessions and also the connection of those with uh, the Synod on Synodality that the Vatican uh, is uh, holding. The preparatory phase uh, is going to be 2022 and 2023, and this will include, among other things, listening sessions. uh, This is all leading to the actual synod, which is going to be 2024. Uh, Tell us about the preparatory phase, because that's a whole different phase, which begins after the celebration this Sunday, right? Correct. And that's why the preparatory commission will continue. So um, into those... um, months where we have listening sessions we are going to go around the diocese currently we are looking and we're looking to have about 15 listening sessions in the listening sessions possibly five of them will have focused members that we invite certain groups you know to come um Others, the the 10, will be open to all parishioners. We will have questions that are asked that will be similar at every one of the listening sessions. But the listening sessions will also have a special theme that we will look at various themes that we want to uh, focus on at these listening sessions. One may be on marriage. One may be on priestly vocations. One may be on sacramental preparation. It, it will have its own flavor, but every listening session will fulfill a common denominator of questions so that there's a similarity among all the listening sessions. Out of the listening sessions, this preparatory commission is charged with sifting through all the input that we give so as to then draft what we call resolutions. The resolutions will then be proposed at the actual synod in 2024. The actual synod will have representatives from every parish every organization, and will also include people from outside the diocese, too. The synod will be a multi-day convocation, and we will systematically address each one of the resolutions. There will be a voting process, and the voting process isn't to exercise a democracy 
the voting process is to say, does this resolution rise to the level of being presented as a possibility for our church here in the Diocese of Dallas? And if so, how do we want it to impact the church in the Diocese of Dallas? And if we wanted to propose it, how do we then present it to the bishop to say, we strongly believe that this should move forward or we strongly state this should not continue in our diocese. Mm. So it really is then the opportunity for the faithful, as I as the bishop have a desire to share um, the care and concern of the work of the diocese with the faithful, for them to give voice. Mm -hmm. This The voting members, I think uh, you said about 200 for the Synod in 2024 from the parishes. So these be uh, religious and lay people. Uh, the the non-Catholics will not be voting members. That's my understanding. Correct. But there, there will be lay people and uh, religious uh, and priests and deacons yes. all, all included. Absolutely. And then they present this um, synodal directory to you. And then basically you are the final say about, Correct. I like this, I don't like this. And so in that, in that regard, it's not a democracy. It's ultimately it's going to be your green stamping what, what you love. Correct. Yeah. Because the work of the bishop is to shepherd the church, mm -hmm. you know, to lead the church. Yeah. And, and so I, I don't relinquish those responsibilities, but definitely include the lay faithful, the priest, the religious, um, as we move forward. All right. So then after this multi-day uh, synod, which, of course, is kind of the, the crescendo of all the preparation that's Correct. going into it now, then you, it's not over. Then it, it really, in a sense, it's only <laughs> it's beginning, right? Because over. then they have the implementation period, which is really a, a full five or six years uh, from 24 to 31. So tell, us, tell us about that. Well, it all depends on the resolution, too. Yeah. yeah I mean, some things can be hap can happen at the flip of a switch. Okay, so let's do this, and, and it'll be uh, simply implemented. There are some, and I don't know the resolutions yet, I, I, um, that that may take months to implement. There may be some resolutions that may take years to implement. So it all depends on the resolution. But you're correct that after the synod comes then the implementation of the synod and putting it into order. There is then a document that comes out on how um, it, it, it is the synod directory that comes out afterwards, mm -hmm. you know, to identify these are the steps forward. This is, and the bishop identifies this is what we're going to do from this time forward. Yeah. And then, as you, as we mentioned, ultimately, during the implementation process, my goal is that we renew and refresh and regenerate ourselves as disciples of Jesus Christ un and through the intercession of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And so during this time, I'm asking my priests to take pilgrimages of faithful to the shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico. Mm. And for those who cannot participate in that, for us to have local parish celebrations of Our Lady of Guadalupe, so that she who is the, the, the Queen of the Americas, 
the one who gave her yes to God's will, you know, that we can emulate her in a wonderful way. Yeah. I'm trying. I don't want to put you on the spot and say, well, give me an example of something that you might be decided on because it's so early in the game. And so I'm just trying to think because obviously no doctrinal changes. You're not going to say, you know, we are going to have this or that doctrinal change. Uh, but I'm trying to think of uh, the kind of decisions that you're going to be making after this and, and the things that will be voted on during this synod. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking, like, I'm a big fan of St. Thomas Aquinas. So they, they could come and say, okay, Bishop Burns, we think that Thomistic philosophy needs to be core and taught in every CCD program, in every parish in the diocese. Uh, obviously, that, that's more of a pastoral approach. And that, well, is that kind of an example? Or theology of the body needs to be taught in all, uh, you know, marriage prep and the, as, as a mandatory thing in the, in the diocese. Would that be a, an example of something? Or, or is there anything else that you could think of that, uh, that uh, w- w- without, you know, uh, I know you don't want to prejudice the, the, the process, but uh, the kind of thing that Uh, examples of what they might be uh, presenting to you. You are accurate in saying that those are some of the things that could be posed as resolutions. It would also include, and you embarked on, the catechetical. Yes. Uh, We can look at Catholic schools. We can look at how liturgies are celebrated in the diocese. Certain things that we decide will not be a part of our liturgies will be a part of our liturgies. You know, it, it's the, some of those suggestions. When looking at how we exercise effective governance and stewardship, you know, how parishes are to then proceed whenever they want to spend money or ask for money. You know, mm-hmm. so it also gets to the nitty gritty of of the the temporalities yeah uh, but the spiritual life of the diocese the liturgical life of the diocese the catechetical life of the diocese the pastoral life of the diocese you know um all of that will be open for discussion mm-hmm. What about, uh, and again, I'm sorry to throw all these hypotheticals at you. They come and say, you know what, we need three new Catholic churches in, uh, you know, uh, Collin County or, or, or what have you. Um, we need a new high school. Is it that kind of, yes. are these, these the kind of things that could come out of this as well? Planning purposes and Absolutely. we need new parishes or, okay, okay Absolutely. that's a possibility. And how it is that we have to grow. Yeah. So again, when looking at the demographics of the Diocese of Dallas, you know, it has gone from 1891. This diocese included El Paso and the Panhandle and all the entire northern reaches of Texas. Well, this diocese has changed over the years. This diocese is far different than what Bishop Lynch had to discuss at the Synod of 1934. Things have changed. <laughs> I, I and have you some even, of those. Uh, <laughs> I know can, you do. Can I read one of the resolutions Please from that? Please do. Okay, so 1934 Synod. Uh, some of them sounds like it could be coming straight out of today. Every pastor should know his flock. Okay, that that that's wonderful. I think you would say, okay, yeah, we need to do that in 2021. Uh Matters to be avoided, 1934 declarations. Uh, the clergy shall not attend spectacles, gatherings of dubious character, or frequent saloons. Uh, public places of recreation or games in public are strictly forbidden. The clergy on Sundays and feast days. Interesting. So th- those kind of things, uh, 
I'm trying to think of other ones. Uh, they had things, uh, uh, the prescriptions of Pius X and Pius XI regarding sacred music are to be carried out. This matter is one of grave obligation. So they're, they're, they're dealing with liturgical issues. They're dealing with uh, issues involving priests. I mean, the, these kind of things, could this come out of it where you could say that the certain behavior of uh, you know, laity or, or priests, for that matter, or religious? Are, are, do, you, do you expect those kind of things, like what happened in oh, the 1930s? Absolutely. I think that it's important for us to recognize that the way we conduct ourselves as ministers in the church must be identified, mm-hmm. especially as we look at the safe environment protocols mm-hmm. of our church. In 1934... They did not discuss the issues that we must discuss today, especially coming out of the scandals within the church and the necessary protocols for safe environment. So there must be elements in this synod that speak specifically about conduct, Mm -hmm. how we conduct ourselves as ministers, how there is a sacredness of our children and to safeguard them as well as a decorum that we as ministers must have. And so I think we embarked on that in the 1934 synod, how priests should conduct themselves. I think one of the items was that a priest should not frequent frequent a saloon on Sunday or something like that, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, then yeah, yeah. That that was one. I think it shouldn't frequent the the saloons. I think at uh, uh, period. I think that's what it was. Period. The, 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 the spectacles. Uh, the the. Well, yeah, there were other restrictions for the the Sundays, like yeah. no picnics and some of the things like that. But it's very interesting to see to see this. Uh, let me let me ask you. Uh, we're about to run out of time here. Bishop Burns uh, here talking about the synodal process, <coughs> the diocese of Dallas, a ten year uh, synod. By the way, we'll we'll close by uh, with an invitation for what's happening this Sunday, December 12th at St. Anne's. And this is really the big celebration, a festival, and uh, and everybody, of course, is invited to that. Let me ask you first, though, about the average person in the pew uh, who may not be officially on the synod planning team or their, their representative from their parish. What, what, what would you like from them? Uh, here, as we, you know, begin the preparation, official preparation phase for the synod in 2024, what should the average person uh, respond, or what would you like from them? Thank you so much, David, because what I would like from the average person at Pew is to participate. It will be great to see so many people attend the catechetical sessions, the listening sessions, um, for them to see that the church is home. And I love hearing that when people travel this world, They go to different countries with different cultures, but when they walk into a Catholic church, they're home. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what I want them to experience here in the Diocese of Dallas. This is their home. And for us, we are their brothers and sisters. And we have our spiritual fathers and our spiritual sisters who assist us in their vocations and and all. Uh, For us, I ask for their participation so that we can strengthen the church in North Texas and ask the Holy Spirit to guide us and grounded in the teachings of the church, we know we're celebrating the one true faith Mm 
and to know that we're following Jesus Christ in a profound way here in the Diocese of Dallas. That's exactly my goal as the bishop. Mm-hmm. One of your, uh, and I don't remember her name, one of the ladies from the diocese yesterday got up and spoke, and she uh, said her husband's a big football fan, and she's not a big football fan, but he took her to a Baylor game last weekend, and she she got in there, and she said, I, I couldn't help but be enthused by it, because everybody was into it, everybody was excited, and you had the music playing, and and it, it the, the environment was so inviting that it kind of brought me in. And I thought that was a good comparison, not that we want to turn our churches into, you know, football games, or that, that kind of emotional necessary but her point was is that everybody was excited everybody was involved everybody's into the game and her point was that's what we want we want an engaged church would you say that that's uh, in of course it's a, a comparison analogy is always limp but we want people in the pews to be excited about their catholic faith and ready to share it with others right i always rejoice when i uh, come across parishioners and they tell me what parish they belong to. And they say, Bishop, you don't understand. When I first came to this parish, I knew I was home. Mm-hmm. She said the welcome that we received, the um, uh, the gesture of, of, of being a part of this parish family was so profound to us. And I, I really enjoy hearing that. I want everyone to be able to say that. That when they went to their parish community, they just knew this is where they had to be. Mm-hmm. Amen. Let's. Uh, I'd like to close with a blessing, and uh, if you would, but then if we could before that, an invitation for Sunday uh, noon. It begins with a celebration of mass at St. Anne's Capel. There's going to be a festival. I know as of this recording, a lot of the details aren't worked out yet as far as exactly what it's going to look like. But uh, what would you say as far as invitation to those listening to come out and really kick off this synodal process on Sunday in a big way? Thank you, David. Yeah, indeed. One of the things about having it at St. Anne's and Capel, they're large enough to hold a, Mm -hmm. a, a, a huge crowd. And it is my invitation as we embark on this synodal process that everybody know that they're invited and it would be great to be with them. During the Mass, there's going to be a significant moment in which I sign the decree of the synod process on the altar during Mass. It's at that moment that we then embark on a brand new phase and a part of history for the Diocese of Dallas. And so that's why it's cause for celebration. There's going to be a festival afterwards and for everybody to come would be phenomenal. Yeah, and for a Sunday to fall, uh, for December 12th to fall on a Sunday this year, boy, I tell you that God's really looking out sure. for you, isn't he? Uh, Bishop Burns, thank you very much. Uh, I think a, a lot of people know a whole lot more about this process now because of uh, the information that you have shared over these last 30 minutes. I very much appreciate you being here and uh, hopefully throughout this process we can do many more of these uh, and continue to, and, and we're going to do everything we can to, to educate in English and Spanish uh, this process as we go along. Thanks also to Annette Gonzalez-Taylor. She's the uh, Director of uh, Media Relations. I think I got that right uh, for arranging all this and she's in studio with us but uh, uh, listening in like everybody else. So thank you to Annette. Uh, could we close with a blessing, Bishop Burns? Absolutely. My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you and your loved ones in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. David, thank you so much for the hospitality. It's always great. 
great being with you and your listeners. It's an honor. Thank you very much for the visit. Thanks. Uh, uh, well, I was going to wrap things up. Well, we're still in the show here at the Good News Show. So let's take a break, and we'll come back with our next segment uh, right after this. The 39th Annual Catholic Foundation Award Dinner will be Saturday, February 22nd at the Hilton Anatole Hotel in Dallas. During the event, they will honor Lydia and Dan Novikov with the Catholic Foundation Award in appreciation for their many years of community service and philanthropy in the Dallas Diocese. All are invited to join the Catholic Foundation for this event. For more information and to purchase tickets, visit catholicfoundation.com. It's the 2022 Catholic Foundation Award dinner on February 19th at the Hilton Anato Hotel in Dallas. All right, very nice to speak with Bishop Edward Burns. And now, as I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, we have a very special feast day that we're celebrating this Sunday, which is the Feast of Our Lady Guadalupe. She's the patroness of our very network. I have a great devotion to her, and I hope you do as well. Recently, we were uh, visited in studio by Monsignor Eduardo Chavez from the um, the Shrine of Our Lady Guadalupe down in Mexico City, and uh, I record an interview with him. And so uh, here it is, Monsignor Eduardo Chavez. Mentioned that we're with Guadalupe Radio Network. Of course, our entire network is devoted and under the mantle of Our Lady Guadalupe. This interview is going to be very, very much tied into that because uh, I'm just so delighted that we recently, uh, well, today, as of this recording, had a visit in our studio here in Las Colinas with Monsignor Eduardo Chavez. And that name may be familiar to you. He is the postulator of St. Juan Diego, the canon of Our Lady's Shrine at Guadalupe in Mexico City and also the rector of the Institute for Guadalupe Studies in Mexico City. And he is in town today because he is going to be speaking to the Legatus group of the Diocese of Dallas at an event this evening uh, with a talk called The Miracle of Our Lady of Guadalupe. I do want to thank Jerry Jacob, who is with Legatus, and Jerry was kind enough to bring Monsignor by the studio today. We had lunch, and here we are sitting down and doing an interview. So, Monsignor, thank you so much. Great to see you. Thank you so much. It's a very great honor to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, and you have taught so much. I mean, you have been working so hard ever since you got here. Uh, we, you know, had the good fortune of walking by an image of Our Lady Guadalupe, and you must have stood there for 30, 45 minutes with us explaining <laughs> uh, a lot of the features of the, of the tilma and the image. Let me, let me first of all just ask you about yourself and maybe something about your upbringing and your calling into the priesthood. Can you tell us about your your early life and how God made it clear to you that he was calling you into the priesthood? Well, I was uh, seven years old when I felt something in my heart to be a priest. And I asked, I remember, I asked to Our Lady Mary, please help me what is my way in this uh, is historical thing because it's not only my life it's also the life of uh, of the world because it's important each life in in your hands and i said i want to be a priest but you tell me what way and after was uh, beautiful because my father my my mom uh, my mom very religious she showed me a lot of things about of the religion, the God, um, of course, the Mary, but not really Guadalupe Mary, uh, only Mary of God, yeah. you know, was after when in 1977, more or less, I tried to understand more about of Our Lady Guadalupe. 
But after my ordination, a priest, because I was uh, 24 years old when was my ordination, and my bishop asked me to go to study history of the church in the Gregorian University in Rome. Mm. And uh, for me, it was uh, wonderful, of course. But when he told me, before I ordinate you, was uh, incredible, really incredible. Okay, I studied in Rome in 1983, arrived to Rome, in Rome, um, uh, a man, a great man, a great priest, Monsignor José Luis Guerrero, uh, because José Luis Guerrero at that time uh, started this process of canonization of San Juan Diego and asked me for help in order to understand a little more the old documents because it's my was my study, history of the church. And he asked me to, like a spurt uh, in, this, in this sense, uh, invitate uh, for Monsignor José Luis Guerrero in that moment, I understand more the documents, really uh, fundamental documents, uh, very special, very important in many parts of the world. Many libraries, archives, in the secret archives in the Vatican, there are a lot of documents also in New York, here in the United States, also in Paris, in Spain, of course in Mexico, Mexico City. And I go more deep in this study of Abuela Guadalupe. But it's not only the study, it's something fascinated for because I am a priest and for in our Lady Guadalupe I understand why I am a priest. Hmm. You you understand? No it's not uh, our Lady Guadalupe in one side and another side Jesus Christ. No, no no our Lady of Guadalupe give me the way, the path, the the energy, the motivation, and many things, spiritual things, in order to understand more in in Jesus Christ, my my to be a priest. For that was for me incredible. In that moment, never I can left this. More, I want more and more and more and more. After when I returned to Mexico. I dedicate a lot of uh, my time in order to understand and study more about Fuele Guadalupe. But it was in 1988 when my cardinal asked me to be uh, a part of the um, studies more about the Juan Diego. Juan Diego, uh, the life, the virtues, all about Juan Diego, San Juan Diego. And after, asked me for to be a postulator. Uh, to be a postulator is, was not only to study more about Juan Diego, also the miracle, because what will be very important, the miracle in order to arrive to the sanctity. And also, uh, like a postulator, or as postulator, uh, was a splendid work with St. John Paul II. Wow, what? That was also incredible gifts for me. Was the, <clears throat> when you all were asked to be the postulator, was it always the goal to work towards the canonization of uh, Juan Diego? Was that the goal or was it just to learn more about him? Was, did you want, were you always trying to get the, the canonization uh, accomplished, I guess, for lack of a better word? 
was a splendid, exactly, was a goal to canonize Juan Diego, yes. But you understand more who are you, what is your mission in this moment, what is the mission, the words through Our Lady Guadalupe. You understand more your life, you know. Yes, it was very important, the canonization of San Juan Diego, because the Holy Father in that moment, uh, he expressed to everybody of the world, this man is in heaven. This man is the, the bridge between God mm. and the human being. Yes, this man is the model of the sanctity for everybody of the world. Yes, but also canonize, for in this way I, I say, canonize the Holy Mary of Guadalupe, the apparition. Is true the apparition. Is not the fantasy, is not noble. No, 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 no. It's something real. History, but also for everybody of the world and any time, any time. And more and more and more, I understand that the apparition of, of our Lady Guadalupe is for these days, in our days. What about Juan Diego? Of all the, I mean, millions of people that lived in, you know, Mexico at the, the time in the 16th century, why him? Why, why, what was unique about him in all, in the, to, that, that he would be the one that Our Lady would choose? Wow, that is a, a question for our lady more than me. <laughs> she couldn't make it today, by the way. <laughs> Second, maybe I know more about this, uh, the, this question when I died, you know, yeah. and I ask directly to our lady why. But I try, I try to understand more about this, and I think because it's indig indigenous, very humble. God is the great, uh, is the love for all of us, but we need the heart, very humble heart, in order to found, in order to, to touch, to touch God. I think one of the most important virtues to Juan Diego of the sanctity is the humble man. This is the layman, very humble obedience. And I think this is the reason. And let me ask you about your role as canon of Our Lady's Shrine. What, what does that mean? What does it mean to be the canon? Well, in the, in the diocese, the bishop, obviously, is the, is the head in the diocese. And the canon are the consul. Consul is the consul. Of, uh, of the bishop okay. in every diocese. Okay. But in, in the shrine of Abuelo Guadalupe is the rector, and also in the shrine of, of our Lady Guadalupe, we are the council, canonicos, uh, in order to uh, help in three times. One, council to the rector. Second, the pray inside to the shrine. And third, the pilgrim people, to attend the mm. pilgrim people. In the case of Mexico City, it's uh, very few, the pilgrims in the cathedral, but in, in the shrine of Fabele Guadalupe, 
is the most important, more grow. Um, I, I want to tell you this, and I think uh, the people understand me more perfectly. First, in Vatican City, in the shrine of uh, St. Peter, every year, more or less, arrive 11 peregrims, 11 millions of peregrims. In Fatima, Lourdes, six, seven millions every year uh, peregrims. In Aparecida, Brazil, 11 millions every year. In Mexico, Our Lady Guadalupe in Mexico, 23 millions. Wow, that's a big one. Every year. Yeah. And the canonigos, the canons, try to help to attend all these programs. It's impossible, I know. But Our Lady Guadalupe is really who uh, help every heart, every heart of her sons. Thank you for that explanation. I, I've always been curious, you know, when, when it comes to Fatima, people talk about the message, you know, the consecration of Russia and the vision of hell and the, uh, you know, the secrets. And there's a lot of talk about the message, not so much the image. People don't talk about the, the, you know, what she looked like and, you know, that kind of thing, you know, the dancing of the sun. And, but with Guadalupe, there seems to be a lot of talk about the image. And not so much about the message. What, I don't know that many people could even tell you what she said to Juan Diego, other than you know, build a shrine and uh, go back and you know talk to the to the bishop. Well, what was the message? What was she? Well, you know, as, not as far as the the, the the tilma, but what was she trying to communicate to, to Juan Diego and to the world? There are many messages, and uh, because it's one message, okay, but there are a lot of um, understand about these messages, and also in our days. For me, the most important message is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I remember in the, in the story of Guadalupe, Juan Diego go to the priest for the ankle because the old uncle, Juan Bernardino, uh, was very, very sick, almost died. And Juan Diego go for the priest, but he need to take a sign to the bishop at the same time. And in that moment, uh, Juan Diego choose to go around to the hill in order to avoid her and go to the to the priest. But in that point, Our Lady Guadalupe stopped to Juan Diego and uh, uh, pronounced this sentence, don't be afraid, don't yeah. be afraid. I am here, I am your mom. Don't be afraid. I am the fountain of your joy, the fountain of your hill. Don't be afraid. You are in the cross of my arms and the hole of my mantle. For me, this is the message so strong in our days. Don't be afraid because she is the mother of God, but at the same time is our mom. And this is incredible in the image of our Guadalupe because she's the virgin, but at the same time, is a pregnant lady. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, is in her womb, mm -hmm. exactly in that point. This Jesus Christ is the center of the image and also the message of Our Lady Guadalupe. Because when Our Lady Guadalupe appeared, said, I want a holy house in order to give my love son. The center is Jesus Christ. For that reason, when Our Lady Guadalupe said, don't be afraid, is something very strong because Our Lady Guadalupe gave us her son 
And this is the point. Jesus Christ in our heart, humble heart. Don't be afraid. Yes. Monsignor Eduardo Chavez is my guest, postulator of St. Juan Diego, canon of Our Lady Shrine, and the rector of the Institute for Guadalupean Studies. Uh, tell me about the, the, the third title here, uh, rector of the Institute for Guadalupean Studies. Uh, I presume that means you teach people about Guadalupe, right? And yes, the, the image right. and the message, kind of like what we're doing right now. How, how is that institute organized, and, uh, and who are the students, and how do you teach? Okay. Uh, after the canonization of San Juan Diego, uh, July 31st, uh, 2002, John Paul II uh, made this. Uh, in that moment, my cardinal, Norberto Rivera, is the name, uh, founded this Instituto Superior de Estudios Guadalupanos in order to continue this study and also to give this beautiful message to everybody of the world. Okay, and in this uh, case, this institute is in the Tepeya Hill, exactly in the Tepeya Hill. And for me, it's a honor very big to be a director of the this institute. In this institute, con we continue with many researches, uh, many studies, uh, in many libraries, uh, archives, and all the things. We made a lot of books. We made a lot of videos. We made in many form to give this message and also the truth because in the you can uh, see in the Google and all these things, many things about the, of our Guadalupe, but many of these things is not the, is not the true, is a mix with the true, but another things lies. You know, is not exactly the true. It's more, it's more it's very important to give the truth of our Guadalupe. The truth is Jesus Christ, but in many sense, our Lady Guadalupe is history, theology, ecclesiology. Mariology, but also the exactly science, mathematics, arithmetic, music also, many, many another kind of science. Uh, we're looking for the truth. And we made this from the Institute in many forms. Uh, I told you classes, videos. Also, we start the course. For example, here in, in Dallas, in the University of Dallas, we make uh, uh, classes, we made a course here. And also the University Pontific Pontificia University of Mexico, we have the recognized for the studies for this wonderful university in mm. Mexico, Pontific Pontifical University of Mexico. And is that is very nice because uh, uh, certainly our studies is that level of the university studies. Yes, and if somebody's listening right now and they would like to learn more, can they take classes uh, either at UD or remotely or uh, you know through Zoom or something like that? Exactly. Uh, how, how should they sign up? Is there a website or what should they do? It's www.morenita very easy morenita.tv TV, TV, uh, TV. That's it. Like television, TV. That's it. Okay, exactly. Uh, Modern, Modernita, Modernita, Dan, Dan, TV, TV. Okay, and they can sign up In there. In Spanish, is Morenita.tv. <laughs> and do you do the in English and Spanish? 
Or, only, only Spanish right only now. Spanish. Only Spanish. I have two books in English. One with Mr. Carl Anderson, Night of Columbus, who was the president. Uh, Our Lady Guadalupe, Mother of Civilization of Love. Yeah. And a, another book, Our Lady Guadalupe and San Juan Diego, for the Notre Dame University. Yeah. Both in Amazon, you can get it. Okay. We only have a, a few minutes remaining in the interview, uh, but if I, when, I, when I bring up the image, I know we could talk hours, and you have been very generous with explaining a lot of things in the image, but it, there, there's so much there. And yeah. if there were just one or two things, if you had somebody's attention for a couple of minutes and you could only point out a couple of things in that image, what would they be? What, what, what's the most important thing to look at on the image? I think the flower, four one flower with four petals in the womb of Abuela Guadalupe because means God. Yeah. Always in movement. God. This is the most important. This is the focus of hold the image. But also another point so important, the eyes. Yeah. Because I, in the eyes, the reflection, human reflection was in both eyes, not only one eye. In both eyes, and that is uh, incredible because in the in the, the in that eyes is the human being, her sons. You are in the eyes of our Lady Guadalupe. Mm. For me, that is so important. Yeah, if somebody like me who has never been to Mexico City has never been to the shrine, oh, uh, you need to go. Yeah, I wait for you. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about, uh, and this will be the, uh, the last question I'll ask, the importance of going, and also what advice would you give to somebody who's making a, planning a trip down there as far as what, what they should n definitely not miss or what, what should they do when, they're, when they come and visit? Oh, you need to go quickly and the first hermit because Our Lady Guadalupe wants holy house in order to give my love song. Uh, yes, the image is in the new Basilic, yes, but you need to visit the first holy house, the first small house, sacred house to Our Lady Guadalupe, because in this humble point, everything starts. Everything starts for everybody of the world. One more time, the humble heart. This is the point in this encounter with Our Lady Guadalupe in Jesus Christ. Uh, well, thank you very much for your time. Uh, for all the thank people you. out there who have great devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe, would you mind uh, giving a blessing over the radio? And uh, I don't know if it can extend to their, you know, sacramentals that they have, but uh, if you could uh, provide a blessing, we'd yes, be very course. grateful. But in my beautiful Spanish, okay? Uh, okay. Que el Señor los bendiga, los cuide, los proteja, los acompañe. Que Santa María de Guadalupe los siga cubriendo con su manto lleno de estrellas. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Uh, thank you so much again, Monsignor Eduardo Chavez. Uh, postulator of St. Juan Diego, canon of Our Lady's Shrine, rector of the Institute of Guadalupean Studies in Mexico City, here for the Legatus meeting tonight uh, as of, well, this is uh, October 28th uh, when we recorded this, uh, feast day of St. Jude and Simon and Jude. Uh, so thanks so much. It's a real pleasure to meet you Thank and you. to spend some time with you. And 
All right, what an honor it was to speak to him when he was here. Uh, he actually stopped by an image that we have right outside our studio of our Our Lady Guadalupe and spent like 30, 45 minutes explaining to us all the diff- different intricacies of this uh, literally God-given uh, piece of art, uh, a wonderful tilma from St. Juan Diego. All right, that's going to do it for the show today. Thank you again for listening, and happy Feast of St. Nicholas. I didn't